Uh, we have an unofficial name, which is more descriptive than it is, you know, identifying who we are. Yeah. But uh, it's the new faith community, Houston Hobby, uh, uh, the United Methodist Church of the. Wait a minute, let me get it right. <laughs> Some of my new faith colleagues know, <laughs> no, I know, know exactly. what I'm struggling with. I, I, I feel that. Did I screw that up? And you can get listen up for only 14 I'm, I'm excited. So we are at the, I've, I always look at Jeff when I talk. This is just the way it goes because it gives me something. Yeah, it's, it's not quite so odd when you're pot, especially when you're a place like this. So we are at Hilton America's Hotel in Houston, Texas, and the Texas Annual Conference is meeting. Uh, we're one of the first annual conferences to meet, I think, in the U.S. We are always pretty early. And I'm joined with three amazing people because we're going to talk about God doing a new thing. Right? And you three are a part of um, planting, starting new churches in the Texas Conference. Uh, there have been a lot of disaffiliations, and we've spent a lot of time talking about that. But I want to hear from you and the good things God's doing with you in, these, in this new day. So we'll take a minute and introduce yourself, and then we'll come back around and uh, share some stories. So, David, why don't we start with you? Introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Okay, my name is David Briggs, and I've been appointed to a new faith community in the Houston Hobby area, which is at the Glenbrook United Methodist Church area. That is where we will be launching our new faith community, which is a remnant of persons who want to remain UMC, which will be our beginning core group that we're going to launch with. Uh, I'm excited about this opportunity. Our first Sunday will be uh, this Sunday, uh, June 4th at 1030. And it's been, it'll be the culmination of a lot of work that went before me and a lot of support from the district, Central South District, a lot of support from the conference, a lot of support from uh, uh, individuals and clergy. The support has been overwhelming. That's great. But uh, we're looking forward to an exciting launch. That's great. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Jennifer, how about you? Yeah, so um, we're Bryan Community Church. We're a United Methodist congregation. We are only five months old. We started worshiping the very first Sunday of December, um, and we are in Bryan College Station, and, and it's just really cool because, um, you know, we started out with a remnant of, of folks, but we have been able to reach out in the community in, in just a short period of time, and we're starting to, to bring in other folks who are seeking, which is the whole purpose and point yeah. of, of what we do as Christians, is to, to reach those who don't know Jesus. And so, um, you know, it's, it's fun. Um, planting a new church. I've never done this before, so I will say that uh, we laugh. We call it a, it's an animal um, all on its own just because it is so different than as a United Methodist pastor being appointed to a church with a building, with people, with a budget. Um, but we are starting from the ground up, and God is being faithful and, and providing all the, the people and the resources that we need. Um, and, and I just want to celebrate, not only is the conference been incredibly supportive and colleagues like y'all, um, we have churches within our community who are very encouraging outside of the denomination. And in fact, uh, the First Presbyterian Church of Bryan 
when they knew that we needed a place to land, they opened up their hearts and their doors. So we are actually worshiping right now in the fellowship hall of a Presbyterian church. That's awesome. So Methodists and Presbyterians, you know what? We put our denominations aside um, and remember that Christ is what unites us. And that is what is keeping us going um, as we as we launch. That's so good. Yeah. So I'm Schuler Sitch, and you know, like David and Jennifer, I got appointed to this new faith community that launched in November. Before they even had a pastor, they gathered themselves, you know, kind of in the wake of disaffiliation. And I got appointed there the first week of Advent, and have been there ever since. And uh, last week we chartered as Mosaic United Methodist Church, and uh, yeah, it's just been a really exciting time, I think, in the life of the church and being able to do these things in church planning and these new expressions and uh, such a season that was so hard. These expressions of hope that I think we. We get the privilege to see more than anyone else, you know, right now and just the work that we get to do. And I just feel so honored to do that. Um, but we're meeting at Blyle Middle School uh, over in the Northwest Quadrant of Houston, kind of like where Cypress Spring and Tomball all kind of it's mesh like together. 290 corridor. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, no, it's it's been an incredibly rewarding experience. Jennifer called it an animal. I like to say we're like we're building the plane as we fly it each and every Sunday. Something is gonna go wrong, and so we just find out what that new thing is every That's week. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been incredibly rewarding. So. That's great. So David, you you talk about the support. I'd be interested in here. I mean, the, a lot of times when in when we used to char- start churches, they were like parachute drops, you go in cold and you spend a couple of years. And now churches are starting in different ways. I think some of these churches are starting because people, the church is disaffiliated and they want to remain United Methodist. But there's more to it than that, I think, as well. As communities get established, I'm hearing that, so you talked about more people. I'd be interested in hearing kind of just how the process worked for you. How did you get involved in this? How did this come on your radar? Uh, How did it start? Uh, well, of course, it always starts with a phone call. <laughs> and uh, uh, w- with that offer being made, I, I think we're in a time where, uh, you know, what's happening in the church is kind of uh, reflective to what's happening in the country. There's, there's just this hunger for change, hunger for something new. Uh, we, we, we've gone through so many crises. Mm that people are looking for um, uh, something different. And so I think the appetite, you, you're talking about the difference between starting new churches now and maybe in the past. I just think the appetite and the timing is, is right for doing something new because we've experienced so much, so many challenges so far. So when that phone call came, um, based on what I was doing in East Texas, uh, which was kind of like an incubator for me to try new things and experiment with new things. We were able to uh, build an education uh, facility. We were able to partner with a uh, with a health clinic, uh, which a federal, federally qualified health clinic that, mm-hmm. that really helps low-income people get access to health care. We was able to partner with them and lease some of our pro- property to them and, and do community health projects. So I was really able to kind of see what it's like to come into a community and start new things. We, we started wow. several new things. And so when the phone call came, it just seemed like all the timing was right for me, uh, for the United Methodist Church, for me to easily say, okay, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that opportunity. And so what I was surprised with was that um, the district really put a lot of uh, effort in 
and helping to plan a lot of these things and get a lot of the, uh, the, the front end work, the preliminary work done before we got there. Is, as, you, as a lot of us new church starters know, when you start a new church, all of your work is on the front end. And so I was grateful that there was already laity and staff and district and conference and uh, staff that had did a lot of that front end labor. It's still a lot to be done, but we didn't have to just start from the dirt, you know, start from shaking a hand with people at a coffee shop. We were able to step into something that was somewhat already together. It's a, you know, Bishop Harvey here has been talking about connectionalism, right? Yeah. And the power of the connection. And, and you bear witness to that. I, yeah. I think um, one of the things I've heard, I, there's a couple of things you mentioned that I fascinating to me. One is like new and innovative ways of doing ministry in the world. And instead of the sort of the old 20th century model of we build this building and everybody kind of comes to it, there's new funding models, there's new hybrid ministries with childcare and health clinics and things that are helping people in the community, because I, I think that's gonna be a really important thing. The fact that you have experience in that, I think is gonna be really amazing to see. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be interested in learning from you because I think that's the way that things are gonna go in the future. If churches are gonna be relevant, they gotta be relevant where people's needs are yeah, in the so community. True. So, true. so that's amazing. And your, the church, it, does it have a name yet? Uh, we have an unofficial name, which is more descriptive than it is, you know, identifying who we are. Yeah. But uh, it's the new faith community, Houston Hobby, uh, uh, the United Methodist Church of the, wait a minute, let me get it right. <laughs> Some of my new faith colleagues know, know what I'm struggling with. <laughs> So it's uh, United Methodist New Faith Community Houston Hobby. That's what we are right now. Until we it, charter, we you know. So it's a, it's a long descriptor until you until your people come together and say we need a real name. Exactly. <laughs> that that's where we are. Yeah. That's awesome. So Jennifer, for people who don't know, my son-in-law knows because he's a graduate of Whoop. Texas A&M, right? So College Station, Bryan College Station, they're basically like right there together. And that is where Texas A&M University is. And the church in Bryan disaffiliated. And I have, we have a good friend, uh, Matthew Marchetti, uh, who is originally from Chapelwood and was very involved in a lot of the process. He is a special dude in he many ways. He has been so supportive That's of this new church plant. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah, but I just want to hear from you, like, in the community and, and getting this started, what does it look like for you in the starting? How, how, is, how did your this one start in Brian? Sure, absolutely. So it's been interesting to, to watch and to learn. And, and I am not afraid to, to say that I have been a student in the, the new church plant process. <laughs> um, but so it started after the disaffiliation um, of an, another church. And we, of course, are still grieving because we have friends and family members who are worshiping just now in, in another location and we're worshiping, um, you know, in a new location. Um, but there were a group of people who, who didn't want to leave the United Methodist Church. And I say this all the time, and I'm going to say it um, to y'all, that, that we are a church 
that's purple. And if, if you can follow me in this regard, we have people who are Democrats and we have people who are Republicans and we have decided that it doesn't matter what our political affiliation is, yeah. that we are going to stay together. And I use that as the example that on various hot topic subjects, we have people who sit on both sides. But at the end of the day, we are going to look across the table and we are going to see that they are a child of God and that God has created them and it's Christ who unites us. And so that is the foundation that has has started this new church. And that's where we are. Um, and so so folks wanted to stay together and um, you know, they said, all right, let's let's start this new church. And of course, um, the conference uh, wanted to, to have a United Methodist presence in the city of Brown. Brian, where you know there was there was a, an empty space after yeah. the disaffiliation, and so that's that's kind of the basis of well, where we had, started. You had lay people. I just know from Math, uh, Matthew, there was a passion, you know, to do something like oh, right absolutely. away. There was a fire in the belly. Well, I mean, folks were folks were ready and they were waiting, and um, it was it was sad for a moment because you know we had folks who. They didn't know where they were going to go because yeah. this was their home for so long. And so, um, you know, of course, I wasn't appointed until after the disaffiliation. And honestly, there was a time period I wasn't sure what we were going to do because I didn't know what the old church was going to do. And so, um, but but shortly after, I, I'm just really thankful for the conference and Steve Woody who said, okay, we've got to do something. There's a group of hurting people who still want to be United Methodists. What are we going to do? Will you, will you lead them? And I, of course, was absolutely was my answer. That's so. awesome. And <laughs> Shuler, your story is interesting because it wasn't like you went in and started a church. No, no. There, the people, <laughs> yeah. the people rose up yeah. and started a church. Yeah. And then they're like, we need somebody. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah. tell, tell that story about yeah. how. Yeah. It, so, I mean, they met for the very first time on All Saints Sunday in 2022. And they gathered together for this time to celebrate All Saints, but to also grieve what they had lost in that time. And it started off just as one worship service. And I don't even know to this day if there was any intention to like come back the next week. Uh, but Godfrey Hubert was, was really important in organizing those folks and providing a space. And so they came together and then they met the next week and the next week. And uh, I got a call from, from Morris Mathis uh, a couple weeks after that asking if this is something I'd be interested in. Now, an important detail here is we had a two month old my wife had just started a new job. We were in this really big transition time of our life. And so when I got the phone call, I was like, I don't know if this is the right time for, for me to be able to step in and do this. Uh, but we went out to, to lunch, my wife and I with Morris and talked about some of the possibilities and the excitement of what was happening in that community. And we got back in the car and Sarah, my wife looked at me immediately and said like, we need to do this. And that was, you know, a big push for me is like, if she's on board for this, I'm on board for this. And um, so yeah, we, we've, it, it's been this, you know, we announced our new name a couple weeks ago before we were chartered in Mosaic, and that has a lot of meaning for who we are and who we want to be, that this place started as a mosaic of these broken fragments coming together from all these different churches in the Northwest Houston area that had different identities, different histories, different backgrounds, 
but they all use those pieces to come together. And kind of like Jennifer was saying, we have people who are all over the spectrum, whether it be you know politically or socially, but when we come together, it's this sense of you belong here. Like you're not yeah. only welcomed in this space, but you belong to this community and we want you here and we want your voice and your witness and your testimony. And that's something that's gonna be essential for us going forward is to continue building that mosaic and allowing for there always to be at least a couple more spaces available for someone to place their tile in that mosaic that's too. That's fascinating. So I, I wanna ask you all something. Um, an older pastor said this to me recently and it, I didn't know how I felt about it. I, I don't think it made me happy, but um, I'm not Maggie, but thank you. Lean in a little closer. But um, what he said was, when I, we were talking about these new churches that were starting, and he made this kind of throwaway comment that I didn't, I didn't like. He said, well, that's just horrible. You're just starting a church with a bunch of uh, angry people who left their church. You know, it's like, you, it's, it's a bunch of disgruntled people. And the reason it struck me wrong is because I was like, that is not at all what this is happening. Because I've, I've seen that before, where disgruntled people leave and start a church. These are folks who, they were not disgruntled and they didn't leave. You know, it, it, it felt to them like they were shown the door. And in a couple of these churches, I know even around your area, it, it really has not been a hospitable thing to some people. It's basically said, for all intents and purposes, we don't really want y'all here. Um, how, how do you feel about that? And, and talk about um, kind of the, the a spirit of what's happening with you with ARD. This is not a group of disgruntled church members who are troublemakers, you know, wanting to leave their church. And how is that different versus uh, maybe if that was the case? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Now you know why it didn't make me happy when they said. <laughs> no, I certainly wouldn't uh, identify it as uh, starting churches with disgruntled people. Probably another way of looking at this is understanding that the people who are coming to be a part of this new faith community, I like to look at their resilience. Uh, it's not easy to leave a church and a congregation that you've been a part of, that your children and your grandchildren have been baptized in, that you know you may have come down the aisle and joined that church and made membership vows, and you know we don't—they uh, don't take that lightly. So it was uh, uh, very challenging and difficult for a lot of these persons to uh, walk away from that because that church decided to leave the denomination and they wanted to remain faithful to their uh, membership vows to the United Methodist Church. And so uh, that's, I, I would may not say that they're disgruntled, but I would say that these are hurt people. These are broken people, but these are people who take their membership vows seriously and they take the connection seriously and they wanna remain part of that connection even if it means stepping into the unknown, even if it means uh, doing something they have never done before that wasn't on their playbook when they got ready to retire, you know, or when they, you know, uh, uh, in this season in their life, they didn't imagine that they would be doing this, but they're doing it out of a deeper commitment to something bigger than themselves. And it's these kinds of person that I'm glad to have 
a part have, of our faith community. And I have to lift up what you said. So I have a couple, they're 95 years old. So if, if you say, you know, like you're sharing that, that they're committed, I mean, and for a 95 year old couple to say, we are not leaving our denomination and we are not going to be uh, divided. I think that says something and speaks to how bold and courageous they are. And they give me hope and they have given our other members hope who are stepping out and basically they're pioneers um, in in their faith right now because they're saying we're not quite sure what the future holds for us we've never planted a church before but if they can do it gosh we can do it too and so I I'm with you David like it I'm celebrating it and I think too um, it, anger has never been something that I felt it's kind of like what you guys are saying of the key emotion that I think I saw, especially at the very beginning, was grief. And that is still grief work that we're doing to this very day of this this place that was home to these people. Like, a, like for people who are 95, for like 60 plus years, they've never known anything different and always wanted to be there. And I think grief is still really prevalent, but there's this sense of joy and hope too that is so present here. And it would be one thing if, you know, people who are angry came together to form this new church, because if you're angry, you have these emotions of control that kind of rear their ugly head at times too. And if angry people came together, it would be all these different former church people coming together saying, this is the way we want to do things, that we've always done things. Um, but I never hear, you know, that excuse of, you know, we've always done it this way because we've never done anything together this way. And I think there's such excitement in being able to try new things and inspire like new witness of what church can be and what the United Methodist Church can be like in Texas and throughout the country and the world. And I mean, we get to see that every single day. And so, yeah, I push back a lot on that claim too of, of the angriness. I don't see that. I, I think really it's don't. a very different day in a very different context, the people that we're talking about. And it seems like to me, because I've met with a couple of these groups, just to hear from them, whether it was in the Conroe or, or in different groups. And, and what you do here is, yeah, I mean, sometimes there's a little anger because they feel like their church was taken away from them. But it really was grief and it was all about looking to the future. Um, one of the things that I think it's hard, well, you said something I think is fascinating. Chapelwood is very much, we, we, it's very important to us too, is when you say purple church, is we have Republicans and Democrats, we have conservatives and liberals, we have traditionalists and progressives. And it's been very important for us to say, this is who we are. This is who United Methodists have been. We haven't always been perfect at what we do, but, um, but we really want to hold that tension together around grace. And, and I think that's, um, that's a thing we're going to continue to struggle with. But it's interesting to me when you say that, because some of these areas we're located in, well, where you're located is a very conservative area of Texas, right? And so to think that there's a safe place for people who come together. And I think the great witness is that we are people that have differences in maybe interpretation on non-essentials, right? Uh, we want to be at work for justice. We want to be at work for inclusion. Even though we may not always agree with people that we're working <laughs> that out with, um, but being able to be one body of Christ, you know, when the Bishop Harvey did the communion last night, you know, one one loaf, one cup, one one in ministry together, one 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 keeps showing up in the liturgy, and um, 
it's a powerful thing. What are you hopeful about, David? You, your service starts, so you have, y'all have y'all had a preview service or any kind no, of gathering? this is our first. This is your first week. Launch. And so when we talk about what are you hopeful for in the future, <laughs> you're, you're like stoked, right? I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I, I am. I'm, I'm looking, so, you know, we've been hearing rumblings about people who, who are excited about coming and uh, people who are saying, well, I'm going to see you there, we'll see you there. People who are going to, uh, some of the laity have been reaching out to friends and family and uh, things like that. So I'm excited about this crowd that's going to come together who may not know one another, uh, who don't know me, I don't know them, but uh, they're coming because, uh, and, and, and I'm thinking about last Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, there's something drawing us together. There's, 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 there's something that is uh, giving us this excitement and giving us this joy, giving us this hope that what we're doing is the beginning of something great. It's the beginning of a God thing. And we don't know what that's going to be, but uh, we know it's going to be uh, we know it's going to be great. We know it's going to impact this community. So uh, it's just excitement over the possibilities of God and the work of the Holy Spirit when we all come together with a single focus to lift up the name of Jesus and love like Jesus. That's, a, that's great. I mean, that's definitely something to be excited about. <laughs> what are you excited about? What do you, what's your hope as you look to the future? What are you hopeful for, not just in our denomination, but in the work that you're doing that you're excited about? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it's, it's all the possibilities, you know. I keep saying that I live in, in three different dimensions, you know, the, the immediate right now, I have a sermon this coming Sunday, right? I have to preach. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to be moving into a new location in um, in August. So I'm, I've got to work three months ahead. But I'm also looking forward to this becoming a church that is not just in the immediate, in the, in the near, but this is five, 10, 50 years. So to see how God brings the people and the places and the resources and the opportunities so that we can be a church for our future, for the next generation. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's what I'm looking forward to, to, to watching or the, or the miracles that God does yeah. through this new church plan in our community and how we can bring people together, um, not only other churches, but other community organizations, the local school district, um, you know, we're working with a nonprofit called Chosen that gets uh, gently used medical supplies into the hands of people in need. How can we be a church that's missional, right? We're yeah. going to meet the need of those around us in the name of Jesus. And so... I, I just doubled down on that. We've had a lot of young families that have started coming. And when I ask them, you know, what's, what's drawing you? One is community. They want their kids to be in community. I think COVID and the disconnection and everything is a part of that. They want to be in community. They're resonating with that message. And it's so funny to me that some people who attack uh, the United Methodist Church, they say, oh, you're just becoming like the culture. And I think that we are actually countercultural more than anything because what we're doing is we're saying you can be on this side and this side and be together and be one church. And the culture's saying you can't. And so when churches split and they go in a direction, they're just choosing a lane. Mm -hmm. 
because they've just they've they've given into the culture, and so you're being counterculture. No, say something. Go I really want to say this. No, okay, you so do. You need to. She, okay, you can my, tell she was my, ready. my mentor, Andrew Cooney, he's in the Baltimore Washington Conference, and I was talking to him about you know what we're doing and what's happening and all of the division. And he said this to me. He said, he said, Jen, isn't wasn't Jesus counterculture? And I said yes. And he said, and what is our culture right now? And I, and I said, it's divided. Everything is divided. It's not just in the church. You know, look outside of the church. Everyone's divided. And he said, okay. He said, if Jesus was counterculture, then be counterculture and don't be divided. Come together. And I'm like, thank you. That's what I needed. And I think that's what we're all longing for within and outside of the church. And when you're talking about younger generation that's being turned off by organized religion, you know, calling themselves nuns and duns, that's what they've been seeing. The hypocrisy that you say you're about love, you say about following Jesus, but you, you only operate in a way that benefits you. And if it's not good for you, then you don't want to have anything to do with somebody that's different than you. And that's around not just things going on in our church around human sexuality, but we've been dealing with it around race for many generations. We still don't have that right. And you, you, I even get a sense like in our culture now, there's a lot of this stuff going on. There's some racial stuff. I mean, it's, it's, you can sense it, right? There's a lot of this undercurrent is, is racial stuff. So it's like when we come in together, people are resonating like my daughters who are 25 and 22 and are still plugged into the church. They're looking at the church and they want a church that's got everybody in it that is about Jesus the words, the actions, the life, the ministry, modeling of Jesus. If you're going to do that, I want to be a part of that. If you're not going to do that, if you're just about yourself, I don't think I want to be a part of that. And I think that is what's going to speak to the generation. And the reason that churches haven't been speaking to them is because we've been more about us and our issues than, than that. How about you? What are you hopeful for? A lot of the stuff that you guys already talked about, you know, one of the key values that, that we have nailed down for Mosaic is inspiring inclusion. It's the very first one that we say. And we chose that verb inspiring very specifically because we want to be a place that inspires inclusion, that someone can see that there's inclusion within the space, but then our people go out into the worlds and whenever they go with their works and, and, and their homes, that they inspire inclusion in those spaces too, to promote the message that we're already doing each and every Sunday. So I think a lot of the stuff that you guys said, yeah, I'm absolutely excited about that. One of the biggest things for me is I've noticed over the last couple of weeks and months that the new guests that we're starting to get are people who have no idea what this affiliation even is. Like that, that word is not in their vocabulary. No, and so they have no idea. And like, I think of a story like Jack and Cindy Albers, who they were invited to our church by by someone in their neighborhood. And Jack loves like pulling trailers. And we have this huge trailer that we have to use to set up worship every week. And you have to have a Ford F-250 to be able to pull it. He has one and he immediately plugged in with the truck squad. And now they joined a couple of weeks ago and they've been searching for a place to belong, a place of community where they can feel that in who they are, they belong in that place without any qualification. And so I'm excited to see how that continues to, to, to move past disaffiliation and start getting folks, those nuns and duns, and show them that church can be different. It doesn't have to be the way that you've seen it in the past or that you've directly experienced. Like there's this new avenue of, of hope for us. And so that's what, that's what excites me now. I really appreciate y'all coming and sharing your story. I think it's inspiring. It's exciting. And, and, you three are not the only ones doing this. 
there, there's a lot of this going on, it's just in our conference, and I've heard in other conferences as well, uh, a lot of this going on. And it's just, and, and I hear the same things echoing. There's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of hope. The people that are coming are inspiring pastors to say, wow, this is, this is good. This might even be better than what I was doing before. But it is hard work, and I really appreciate y'all. I mean, I think people don't even know. It's hard enough to be a pastor, but when you're building something, <laughs> from the ground up, you know, it's like you do everything. <laughs> Your job description's all inclusive. I really appreciate y'all coming and spending some time and sharing that with us. Anything else before we go? Thank Last you, words? John, for giving us yeah, this opportunity no, to share man, the story. I, I, I'm honored yeah. and just great to get this, to push it out to other people because not everybody gets to sit down with you three and have this and hear from you. Mm-hmm. So to have everybody else get to hear you tell this story, I think is, is amazing. Well, we have a way we sign off on the podcast. Before I go, though, Jeff has to make me say this. Please subscribe, like, <laughs> smash the like button, leave a five-star rating, <laughs> subscribe, subscribe, share with your friends. Because apparently there's some like magical algorithm that when you do that, it, it, it makes it, I don't know, something. It's artificial intelligence. I have no idea what it is. But we have a way we sign off the podcast. I say my name, and then you say your name, right? So I'll, I'll go, I have to give direction because sometimes, you know, me, you, yeah. you, and you, right? That's how we do it, and we sign off. You ready? Yes. Well, I'm John Stevens. I'm Schuler Sitch. I'm Jennifer Hodson. David Briggs. And this is Pod Have Mercy. Mm-hmm.